0: On today's episode, multiple Blackhawks prospects are doing work at the World Junior Summer Showcase. I'll dive into all of that and also discuss whether the Dallas Stars can make a run at the Stanley Cup once again this season. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everyone? Welcome on in to another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. Today is Friday, August fourth. As always, I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Go and check me out on Twitter at Jack Bushman two, or you could also go and follow my strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And also, just a quick reminder to go and subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't done so already, it won't cost you anything. It's a 100% free. It only takes a quick click of the button to help me out tremendously. And also that way you can get the latest episode as soon as it becomes available each and every day. And also make sure to go and follow Lockdown Blackhawks on Instagram as well to have an opportunity to win some cool free Blackhawks stuff courtesy of yours truly with the giveaway that I'm having right now on the channel. I'm going to be talking a little bit more about that following the first ad break so make sure to stay tuned to that point in the episode as well all right enough of that everyone as always good afternoon thank you all for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks and thank you all for making the show your very first listen here to start off your day I hope Everyone's Friday, or if you're tuning into this on Saturday or Sunday, I hope the weekend is treating you lovely. And to open things up here on the show, I wanted to open up with a little bit of an update from the 2023 World Junior Summer Showcase that's actually wrapping up today in Plymouth, Michigan. And some of you may have seen uh, the episode that I dropped, I believe, last Friday, where I discussed how there are four Blackhawks prospects playing for Team USA here in this summer showcase in Frank the Tank Nazar, Oliver Moore, the 19th overall pick in this year's draft. And I still cannot believe that he went 19th overall, along with fellow former first round pick Sam Renzel and 2022 third round pick Gavin Hayes. All four of them are playing for. Team USA here in this summer showcase. Team Canada is not participating in the event. I mentioned that as well on the episode last week. So, not going to see any of the uh, potential Canadian players um, that could be playing for Team Canada in the World Juniors here in this event. But, Team Finland and Team Sweden both participated, although. No Blackhawks prospects suiting up for either of those two squads. And for those who may not be quite sure as to what this World Junior Summer Showcase is, just a brief explanation, it's basically just an opportunity for these teams, Team USA, Team Finland, Team Sweden, to get another opportunity to take a look at some of these prospects and see how they've been developing over the last few months. It's basically just another evaluation point for all of these teams in preparation for uh, the World Junior Championship, which will begin the day after Christmas this December. But with the World Junior Summer Showcase having wrapped up today, there's actually one more game for the United States to play here at 4 o'clock Oliver Moore will be playing in that one. Um, But what a performance we saw from a couple of these Blackhawks prospects throughout the the summer showcase. Most notably, of course, 2022, 13th overall selection, Frank, the Tank, nazar who was just an absolute man on a mission for the united states throughout this whole showcase it really felt like he understood this was a really good opportunity for him to showcase his stuff in front of the program and after you know missing out on basically all of his freshman season with michigan wolverines we didn't really get too good of an opportunity to see frankie nazar showcase his stuff um in his freshman campaign, which was a a bit unfortunate. also obviously prevented him the opportunity to go and play with Gavin Brinley, Adam Fantilli, Luke Hughes, and a stacked Michigan roster that probably would have been upping his value and made us Blackhawks fans even more excited over the last year. But this is what we needed to see from Frank to take Nazar. And it was honestly just a, a nice reminder And a nice glimpse back to what I saw from him a week after the Blackhawks drafted him last summer at development camp because this kid was absolutely buzzing up and down the ice. Great offensive game, but also plays a 200 foot style, loves to make an impact all over the ice, uses his speed to be effective in all three zones, even though he's only 5'9". He hustles all the time. He's not scared to go to the dirty areas. He's a great competitor. Uh, and we got to see that on display for the United States here in this summer showcase, uh, especially in the game that happened on Monday against, uh, I believe it was, was it team Sweden though? No, I think it was team Finland uh, where the United States won 10 to one behind a four goal, one assist effort from my boy, Frank the tank. And we saw him do it in a plethora of different ways. We saw the wheels for his first goal where he split through the defender and made a beeline right to the net for a little bit of a redirect there, kind of fortunate off of his skate. His second goal, he absolutely houses a risker top shelf past the opposing goaltender, goes on to add the hat trick. His fourth goal, for good measure, shows off the wheels once again to get all alone on a breakaway and put the United States up 10-1. to Also added a primary assist with an offensive zone face-off win, it was an incredible showing from Frank the Tank Nazar, just a draw drop, a jaw dropping performance. And yeah, it was really lovely to see after we just didn't get much of an opportunity to see him do this kind of stuff for the Michigan Wolverines as a freshman. Couldn't be more excited for what he's going to do heading back to Michigan as a sophomore. Really stoked for this kid's future, folks the way that he can buzz up and down the ice, the way that he can impact the game on the offensive side of things. My, oh my, this kid looks like he has all the tools to be a two-way talent for a long, long time, and I'm super excited about his future. And we also saw uh, Oliver Moore display his wheels as well earlier in the tournament. Team USA actually held uh, an intra-squad scrimmage on Wednesday, and we saw Oliver Moore Absolutely blow by everyone on the ice to get all alone for a breakaway. A nifty little maneuver to finish it off. His first goal of the World Junior Summer Showcase. And I thought that, along with seeing what Frankie Nazar has done in this tournament, is just a really good reminder. Oh, and I didn't even mention that Connor Bedard kid. The Blackhawks are going to be so freaking deep down the middle moving forward. Speed, glorious speed. It is going to be amazing watching the wheels on Frankie Nazar and Oliver Moore in this summer showcase has been absolute dynamite. And I did want to share for you all uh, a quote that I read on Twitter earlier this week from um, Stephen Ellis, who works for the Daily Faceoff, which is a, a great channel, it does a lot of great stuff for prospects in today's NHL game. This is what Stephen Ellis had to say after watching Oliver Moore in that inter-squad scrimmage for the USA. He said, quote, When watching Moore, it's the speed that you notice first. Not just the top speed, but how he uses it to his advantage too. He saw a play developing, started to cheat a bit, and suddenly he was rushing toward the net all alone and scored. This is the best part. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. There's absolutely no reason why he should have fallen to that second Chicago pick. Yeah, I don't don't get it. I I don't get it. I had Oliver Moore as a top 10 pick. I had him as the ninth best prospect in this year's draft. And he fell all the way to 19. What an absolute blessing. Kyle Davidson's reaction, I think, tells the entire story about how, pardon my language, fucking pumped he was when Oliver Moore fell to number 19. Yeah, super excited for this kid's future as well. And I don't want to leave out Gavin Hayes because I thought he had a real strong showing as well here in in camp. And even according to Stephen Ellis, he said he was really impressed with what he saw from Gavin Hayes. And despite how deep, this United States program is, which I'll get to in just a second as well. He thinks Hayes has a pretty good chance to crack Team USA's World Juniors team if he's able to keep it up at the start of the season for the Flint Firebirds. So a really good showing for a handful of these Blackhawks prospects. Sam Renzel obviously didn't make much of a a notable, um, didn't really do anything in particular that stood out, wasn't really, yeah, he had a nice primary assist on a cutter gotier goal. I'll admit I don't have the time to watch all of these games. So I'm really just seeing the highlights, but obviously out of this group, Sam Renzel is the most raw of them all. He's only going to be a freshman this upcoming season. So uh, no worries whatsoever. I guess you could make the argument with Oliver Moore too, but um, still not discouraged about Sam Renzel. And I would like to see him on the back end for team USA in the world juniors as well. Um, But getting into kind of what I wanted to talk about to wrap up this conversation revolving around the summer showcase, which is how deep Team USA's forward group in particular is looking ahead of the World Juniors. Now, I do still have some concerns about their defense. I think it's um, really up in the air and there's going to be a lot of guys fighting for those final few spots. It's really wide open. Kind of same with net, But as far as the forward group goes, I mean, there is a ton of talent on this Team USA roster, what, what's going to be their roster for the World Juniors, and there are going to be some really good players left out of this forward group because they are remarkably deep. Here's just a list of guys that I have at forward for the USA who figure – to be on their world juniors roster we have will smith of course a high-end pick in this year's draft same with ryan leonard frank the tank nazar cutter Gautier was a high-end pick of the philadelphia flyers isaac howard is a high-end prospect of the tampa bay lightning jimmy Snuggerud, high-end prospect for the blues there's quentin musty first round pick this year same with charlie Strammel, oliver moore baby of course 19th overall Gavin Brindley was a first round pick. Gabe Perot was a first round pick. There is tons of talent on this Team USA squad for the Winter World Juniors. Like I said, I do have a little bit of uh, concern about their defense and their goaltending, but I'll tell you what, they should be able to score with anyone out there with the amount of talent that they have at their forward group. And I'm really interested to see how this entire roster is going to shape up come Christmas time. All right, folks, there are some thoughts on the World Junior Summer Showcase, which wraps up today, unfortunately. But coming up in just a moment, I will get into Tom Wilson's recent contract extension with the Washington Capitals, and I'll discuss Seth Jones' deal being named the worst contract in the entire NHL. But first, I need to talk to you all about FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting on Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks, and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. It's $200 that you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. And, oh, baby, have I been riding hot lately with my Chicago Cubs who all of a sudden seem to have some life in the NL Central. It has been a crazy last few weeks. Dansby Swanson, the Cubbies, have been winning me a lot of money. There's no better place to bet on the MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Real quick, if you haven't done so already, please make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. I did recently reach the 1,000 subscriber plateau, which I'm so appreciative for, but I'm really still trying to boost up those numbers and to grow the show. So make sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so yet. And make sure to go and follow Lockdown Blackhawks on Instagram as well. Have an opportunity to win some cool free Blackhawks stuff courtesy of yours truly, right here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. And all you have to do in order to enter is you have to be subscribed to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube, you have to be following Lockdown Blackhawks on Instagram, and then just quickly DM Lockdown Blackhawks a screenshot that shows you're subscribed to the YouTube channel, and you'll have an opportunity to win a cool free Blackhawks item. I've posted pictures on the Instagram channel of all the stuff that's going to be involved in the giveaway. And the lucky winner will be able to select one item of their choosing. So make sure to go and follow Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. Follow on Instagram as well. You could have a chance to be the lucky winner. All right, segment two. In the past couple of weeks, this is something that I did want to talk about on the show. And I figured I was going to get there eventually But with Tom Wilson, 30 year old Tom Wilson signing a seven year deal with a $6.5 million AAV earlier today with the Washington Capitals, I figured it would be a good time to kind of talk about the 10 worst contracts in the NHL, which Uh, was uh, a conversation at The Athletic, an article that The Athletic posted uh, late last week, I believe, or maybe earlier last week. But the reason why it got on Blackhawks fans' radar so fast was because who came in at number one? None other than defenseman Seth Jones. That's right. The Athletic feels that defenseman Seth Jones has the worst deal in the entire NHL. i will actually go through the entire top 10 that The Athletic ranked. But this frustrates me. This frustrates me. And before I dive into my argument, I will say $9.5 million for Seth Jones is an overpayment. There's no way, shape, or form about it. Seth Jones does not deserve to be making $9.5 million a year. That's an overpay. But, but that does not mean he's a bad defenseman. And when you're talking about the worst contracts in the NHL, it's a two-parter question. It's the play on the ice plus the contract. And I think it's completely unfair to have Seth Jones at number one year with the way that he's played the last two years. Now, I know basically half the Blackhawks fan base is split on this, and there are probably people watching this saying, oh, Seth Jones is terrible. I don't believe that for a second. It feels like it's just kind of a narrative that's been tossed out there ever since he signed that deal, which, by the way, Stan Bowman gave him. It's not like Kyle Davidson gave him this. Why, why are we still upset about the Seth Jones deal? I don't really understand it because if any of us were in that situation, we would have signed for as much money as possible. It's not Seth's fault. And at the end of the day, is he a true number one defenseman on a Stanley cup winning team? No, he's going to need some big time help in order for that to happen, but that doesn't mean he's a bad defenseman. And I think the narrative around Seth Jones is completely unfair because of his contract. And I think people that don't watch the Blackhawks night in and night out don't really know how big of an impact he's had on this team. now. Does he have defensive flaws? Yes, he gives up a lot of scoring chances. He has some breakdowns, but he also is a unicorn on defense for the Blackhawks with the abilities that he does have. By far their best goal-scoring defenseman, by far their best point-producing defenseman, by far their best defenseman on the power play, one of the only defensemen on the roster that can carry the puck up through the neutral zone, that can... Uh, go and start offense the other way that has good outlet passes. I mean, there are a lot of things that Seth Jones does well, but instead people just think about that uh, $9.5 million price tag that comes along with him. So I'm going to kind of talk about this a little bit, but before I do, I did want to be sure to mention the top 10 as ranked by The Athletic. Seth Jones came in at number one. He's still got seven years left at $9.5 million. Colton Perico, interestingly enough, was number two at seven by 6.5. Jonathan Huberto came in at three with eight years left at $10.5 million. Tyler Sagan's fourth. He has four years left at 9.85. That's a pretty bad deal. Mark-Edward Vlasic. I I mean, much respect to Alex Vlasic's uncle? Cousin, cousin, cousin. Um, And he's still a warrior, and he still suits up for the San Jose Sharks. That, in my mind, might be the worst contract in the entire NHL. Three years left, still... At $7 million, he's already 36 years old. Braden Shen comes in at number six, the second member of the St. Louis Blues on this list. Uh, Five years at $6.5 million. Travis Sanheim comes in at number seven, eight years at $6.25 million. Ryan Strom's eight, four years at $5 million flat. Darnell Nurse is number nine, seven by 9.25. And then Nicholas Backstrom rounded things out, coming in at number 10. But breaking down that list, there were a couple of players that caught my eye who I would have as a worse contract considering their play than Seth Jones. And I know the numbers don't look good for Seth this year. Well, he did score 12 goals, which is the second most of his NHL career, but only having 25 assists uh, in 72 games played. I mean, it really isn't a good look, but at the same time, this Blackhawks offense was dreadful. The guy didn't have a lot of help. And I mean, Looking at what the Blackhawks did offensively, I don't think anyone should be surprised that Seth Jones' assist numbers were so low. Plus, he's coming off a year where he had 46 assists the year prior and was a really solid playmaker. The issue that season was he couldn't score any goals. This year, he goes and scores goals, but doesn't have as many assists. Look, again, I don't think Seth Jones is the number one that he got paid to be. But the play isn't as bad as I personally think some of these other guys. Like Colton Pareco, I think, might have a worse contract than Seth Jones. And I know it's for $3 million less per season. But Colton Pareco, low-key, by the way, is two years older than Seth Jones at this point in time. Let's look at these numbers the last two years. Colton Pareko, four goals, 23 assists, 27 points in 79 games last year. Year before that, 35 points in 80 games. He's already 30 years old. I think there's an argument there that Colton Preco's contract is worse than Seth Jones. I also think Mark Edward Vlasic, like I said, I think you can make an argument there. Now, I'm not really going to talk too much about his offensive numbers because that's never what he's been known as throughout his entire career. But the fact that he's going to be 37 this year and he still has three more years left. I mean, they're basically paying, they've been paying Mark Edward Vlasic for the next three years plus the last three for these last six years for basically what he was 10 years ago. I think that low key might be the worst contract in the NHL, but the one that really, the the two that really I think have the bigger gripe are, Travis Sanheim and Darnell Nurse. The one thing I will say about Sanheim, he is still a little bit younger. He's actually 27, only one year younger than Seth Jones, and I do think there's a little bit more runway for him still to develop, but he had 23 points in 81 games last year, 31 points in 80 games the year before that. I don't know. For a former first-round pick that was uh, talked about offensively a lot, I I think that's a pretty bad deal. Eight years left at $6.25 million of Travis Sanheim – Doesn't become a stud number one. I mean, at that price tag, it's probably a number two, number three. So that's why I don't think it's the worst plus his runway. The worst, I think, in the NHL is Darnell Nurse, who got ranked number nine. And maybe I'm crazy here. Maybe I'm in an opinion of my own. But Darnell Nurse, I think, is a worse defenseman than Seth Jones. And I think for the talent that he has around him, he's absolutely underwhelmed, especially... For that $9.25 million price tag, he's only making $0.25 million a year less than Seth Jones over this whole same time span. And when breaking down Darnell Nurse's numbers defensively, he's not responsible enough to be a number one for the Oilers. And offensively, he's not really Seth Jones in my mind. This past season, it was the first time that Darnell Nurse had put up 40 games, 40 points in a season. Since 2018-19, he had 12 goals, 31 assists for 43 points. This is a guy who's playing with Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisettle, the best offense in the entire NHL. and He had 41 points in 82 games this past season. I mean, did I read that right? Yeah, 43 points in 82 games, excuse me. I don't know. I personally think Darnell nurse has the worst contract in the NHL. I still think Seth Jones is up there from a money perspective because it is an absurd overpay, probably by $2 million, maybe even a little bit more, but the play, I, I just don't think it's as bad as the narrative that's thrown around him. So um, I, I don't, I do not believe that Seth Jones should have should be, should have been given the worst contract in the entire NHL, put him on the list. I completely agree with that. Number one, I simply don't agree with. But going back to Tom Wilson's contract, there's an argument that this one immediately gets thrown in the top 10 here, folks, because Wilson, he's 29. He's going to be turning 30 in March, but they're paying him for seven years. And I'll tell you what, as someone who knows how these long-term deals go, when Tom Wilson is 34, 35, 36 years old, Capitals fans, I know, are going to hate this deal because he's inevitably going to slow down. He's inevitably going to get older. Yes, he could still be a pest. He can still be a thorn in your side. But I just don't see him being a consistent 25-30 goal scorer like you're paying him to be. I mean, he's getting $6.5 million a year. And last season, his career high is basically... Uh, 25 goals, 28 assists, 52 points in 78 games, had 13 goals and nine assists for 22 points in 33 games last year before getting hurt. I don't know. I know Tom Wilson is loved by that fan base. And listen, I, I get that situation. I felt it with Mags Domi last year. I'm sure I'm going to feel it with Corey Perry this year. I'm sure Capitals fans love that guy. It's a hefty price tag for him. Make no mistake about it. I think that probably is inside the top 10 of the worst contracts uh, in the NHL as well. So there are kind of my thoughts on, on Seth Jones. Um, I didn't want to re-rank these or anything. I think they'd be a little bit more difficult, but there are at least two or three guys on this list that I personally would have ranked above Seth Jones, but that's just my personal preference. And hopefully Seth Jones, as the Blackhawks start to get more talented and start to add um, some s- some better firepower around him, hopefully the numbers will only go up and hopefully That'll make this conversation a little bit easier as the salary cap goes up as well. And again, I'm not saying Seth Jones has a good contract, but I personally don't believe it's the worst one in the entire NHL. All right, folks, coming up in just a moment before I let you all go, I still have to get into my Central Division preview on the Dallas Stars. Segment three, it's time to get into my new segment here on the show where I'm taking a deeper look at each of the other seven teams in the NHL's Central Division. And I've already gone over the St. Louis Blues, the Winnipeg Jets, the Nashville Predators, and the Colorado Avalanche. You can check out those videos on my YouTube channel easily if you want to. Make sure to smash that subscribe button while you're there. Go and comment and like this episode down below while you're at it. Um, But today, I'm going to be getting into the Dallas Stars, who made it all the way to the Western Conference Final this year. And I actually, in my postseason bracket had them going all the way to the stanley cup final i i think i actually had dallas winning it all i believe i did have dallas winning it all who did i have out of the east no i had the i know my stanley cup final matchup was dallas versus rangers i can't remember who i had winning regardless the dallas stars ended up getting bested by the eventual stanley cup champion vegas golden knights and uh a six game series there, but a still a very solid, very impressive season from the Dallas stars. And I think they're in a really intriguing position. And personally, I think they're in one of the best spots in the entire NHL, but getting into the stars last season, they wound up finishing 47, 21 and 14. That was good for 108 points and second place in the central division, just one point back of the Colorado avalanche. And I got to give them credit. They made made moves at the deadline to improve themselves. obviously. They went out and acquired Max Domi from the Chicago Blackhawks and they made a run for it. And I have to, I have to give them credit because they they tried their best to go at it and they gave it a heck of a run. And what's interesting is despite a lot of their old core, just getting older and older and older, I really do feel like they're in a very, very pretty spot to kind of retool and keep this thing going on the fly here, even though. Um, Like I said, some of their older stars and some of their known players that have been around for a while are starting to get older and older and older. And um, because of that, because they're still around and still on the books, making decent coin, that kind of put general manager Jim Nill and head coach Pete DeBoer in a little bit of an interesting spot this offseason because there just wasn't a whole lot of financial freedom or financial room for the Dallas Stars to kind of go out and add more pieces to try and Um, get them over the hump. You know, they, they didn't really weren't They just weren't able to go out and make any big time splashes is what I will say. And that's because they have Jamie Ben at 34 year, 34 years old. He's got two more years under contract. Tyler Sagan at 31, four more years under contract. 38 year old Ryan Suter has two more years under contract as well. Um, They have key pieces that are not getting any younger and still, like I said, make pretty decent coin. However, They do have a a up and coming young group of studs that are going to be the next faces of the franchise. And Jason Robertson, obviously Rupe Hintz has been doing some great stuff these last couple of years. Wyatt Johnson burst onto the scene last year. They went out and added Mason Marchman a couple of years ago. They also have Ty Delandria who's only 23. Miro Haskinen is really coming to his own these last handful of years. They got Thomas Harley on the back end. Niels Lundqvist, who they went out and acquired as well. There's no denying it. It looks like it could be a very bright future for the Dallas Stars in these next five, six, seven, eight years. And their only real problem was they just didn't have a lot of money in this offseason to go out and get what they needed right now. So kind of looking at the moves that they were able to make in the offseason, only a couple – uh, they went out and signed Matt Duchesne to a one-year, $3 million contract after he got bought out. They also gave Craig Smith, a pair of former Nashville Predators here, a one-year, $1 million deal. But those were the only outsiders, notable outsiders that they really brought in because they did bring back Evgeny Dadanov who they acquired at the deadline. They also had to give Ty Delandria a new deal as a restricted free agent. And same with uh, Joel Hanley as well, who they brought back. So I thought they did a pretty good job with um, the financial situation they were in, and they only lost Max Domi and Luke Glendening, really from their NHL regulars that suited up for Dallas in the postseason. Uh, as far as their first round picks from last year, they didn't have any in the 2023 NHL draft. They had one in 2022, which they took Liam Bischell as their first round selection. And the year prior to that, Wyatt Johnston was their first round pick. But they, they don't have the deepest prospect pool in the entire NHL. They were ranked 16th at the midway point of last season, but that's also because uh, Wyatt Johnson jumped onto the scene and he was probably their number one prospect. Other than that, um, they were ranked 16th, like I said, at the midway point of last season, led by Logan Stankoven, Maverick Bork, and Thomas Harley. Those are kind of their up-and-coming prospects. But they have, especially at the forward group in my mind, maybe, maybe the deepest forward group in the entire NHL. And I think I said something similar about the Colorado Avalanche when I broke them down recently. This is a really talented forward group that the Dallas Stars have. Joe Pavelski, Rupe Hintz, Jason Robertson, Jamie Benton, Tyler Sagan are still there. Mason Marchment, Wyatt Johnson is going to get only a bigger and bigger role moving forward. They have Radek Fox, they added Matt Duchesne, they bring back Evgeny Dadnov. they still have Ty Delandria, they have Craig Smith, they have Sam Steele. I mean, it's a really, really deep forward group that the Dallas Stars have. And a reason why I like them in the Stanley Cup playoffs, playoffs, I don't know why I said it like that, but it was the first thing that came to my mind. I really always trust their defense and goaltending combo these last couple of years. And when you have that, it just, it, it feels like it's what you need to win Stanley Cups. Maybe they need a little bit more size on the back end. Um but I think this is a very responsible defensive group. And then, of course, Jake Ottinger, and that is the clear-cut future for them. Really, really solid goaltender who the Blackhawks kind of messed up and could have had on their team a few years ago, elected to go with Henry Ukaharyu. It's all right. Um, but defensively, still a really solid decor. They got Miro Haskin in Ace Lindell. Um, still have Ryan Souter for two more years. Yanni Hackenpah, one of the best names in the NHL, Thomas Harley. Joel Hanley, Niels Lundqvist was added. I think they got Gavin Bayreuther, who was part of the Blue Jackets organization before then as well, on top of Jake Ottinger. So all in all, I really do think the Dallas Stars are one of the deepest teams in the entire NHL, let alone this Central Division. So as far as my prediction goes, and look, the Central Division can be random. I I won't rule it out that the Stars uh, underwhelm and finish fourth, fifth, and sixth or something because it feels like the Stars and the Jets are always prone to have those weird years where no one sees it coming whatsoever. But my prediction is I think this team is absolutely deep enough to finish top three in the central division. And I really believe they should contend for the conference final. Once again, Jake Ottinger is only getting more playoff experience. The defense is essentially the same. I like their small additions to the forward group, and they basically brought everyone back. I really like this Dallas Stars team going into this upcoming season and wouldn't be surprised one bit to see them contending for the Stanley cup. All right, folks, I think that is going to wrap up Friday, August 4th episode of lockdown Blackhawks as always. Thank you all again for tuning into the show and be sure to go and follow lockdown Blackhawks for free right now, wherever you may be listening to your podcast and to go and subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube, and you can get the latest episode as soon as it becomes available each and every day. As always, I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Go and show me some love on Twitter at Jack Bushman2. Or you could also go and check out my strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. So until tomorrow's episode, it's gonna do it here for the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team. Every day.